Welcome to the Storyform podcast. Storyformed is here to celebrate the soul-forming power of imagination, good books, and beauty in the life of your child. Hello, everyone. I'm Holly Packiam, and I'm joined, as usual, by Jamie Showmaker. Hello. Hi, Jamie. How are you? What's... I'm doing well. What has your week been like? It's been a great week. We had a we had a great weekend this past weekend. Um, a couple of friends and I um, went to Asheville. I told you we live in the um, foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, and we um, aren't very far from the little town of Asheville. And um, we went book shopping. So fun! I know they <laughs> wonderful used bookstores. Oh, I'm so, so jealous. We literally <laughs> planned a trip to go up there and just hit all of the used bookstores that we could find. And we spent the whole day up there and ate dinner. And um, so it was wonderful. It was a great bookish weekend for me. And yes. then um, we also got to spend some time with some family that came in from Missouri, from my husband's side of the family. So that was a nice treat as well. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. Is there any... Um, do they have any particular kinds of bookshops that are just, you know, to that area that are just, or is it just kind of like used bookstores you'd find anywhere? There, There is one that's kind of a used bookstore you would find anywhere. And then there are a couple that um, they are, there's one downtown that's exquisite. It has just, it's almost like a maze you have to go through. Mm. It has all these different upstairs levels and they have um, all these different reading areas. You could actually like, re- when we were there, they, someone was having a baby shower there. <laughs> like, wow. Wow. Yes. Sounds like something we would do, program. right? Have a baby shower in a bookshop. <laughs> And and there are some bookstores. There's one called the Captain's Bookshelf, um, and it has so many like just exquisite editions of books that are hard to find. Like they have like autographed Dolaire's books Mm. and um, first editions and stuff. So I like to go and just just look at them, like just peruse. And I don't buy anything there because um, you know some of them are just so nice. You know. Yes. Did you um, find any any Good ones that you were looking okay. for. Okay. <laughs> yes. I, I try not to go with a list of mm-hmm. specific books I want to find. I just go for the joy of mining the stores and see what gems I can come up with. But yes. I got um, I bought two copies of The Wind in the Willows. One was illustrated by Michael Haig and one was illustrated by Ernest Shepard. And oh, wonderful. I, uh, I know. I already have a Wind in the Willows, but I didn't have those particular editions. So of course. I had to buy both of them. So. <laughs> of course. Yes. yes. Oh, so, that's so great. Yeah, it's wonderful. Oh. Yes. What about you? How was your weekend? It was great. Yeah, we... Um, we did something we haven't done before. We hosted uh, kind of a street party. We live um, kind of in the foothills of Colorado Springs. And so... Um, we have kind of like a C-curve street that's not totally straight, so and people live in flag lots, so sometimes it's hard to see our neighbors, but mm-hmm. we thought this would be a fun way to connect people, and so there were, yeah, there was about a couple dozen people from our street that were available to come to our house for an open house, and nice. yeah, so we had people in and out, and some people, there's a couple of people that I'd never met or seen, so that was really fun just to hear their stories and um I think it just, for us, it makes us feel more connected, you know, to our neighbors to, to know them a little bit better and um, just a way to see them. So that, it was really fun. 
I'm glad we That's did nice. it, but yeah. So yeah, very good. Yes. Yeah, so well, <laughs> we are so excited to do our first story formed Q and A podcast. Um, we're so thankful to everyone who sent us questions, and uh, we we may not get to all of them today, but we're planning to have another Q and A podcast very soon in the future. So and just. For all of our listeners, if you have questions, even if we can't get to them on the podcast, we'd love for you to send us to that, um, send questions to us for the future, or we can, we'd love to process some of these things on Facebook and get conversations going. So, yes. yes. So, well, I'll start with our first question. So one of our first questions comes from a mom of an 18 month old. And her question is, if I have the book, Honey for the Child's Heart, how do I decide what to buy or what to put on hold at the library? How do I know what books are worth owning when I want to buy everything in the zero to three recommendations? So that's, that's <laughs> where she's at, which I can definitely relate to this tension, as I'm sure you probably can, Jamie. Um, yes. But I remember when my oldest was um, about 18 months or so, and I, for the first time, went through Hunting for the Child's Hearts and saw, which is by Gladys Hunt, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes um, for all those of, those of you who want to check it out at the library or, or actually buy. The, I would recommend buying this one. Yes. So, yes. Um, so anyway, I would go through the list, um, especially when my first child was young in the zero to three month section, and... I, the first thing I did was to put those books on hold at the library. We have a system with our public library where you can get in online if you have a login and select the books that you would like to put on hold, and then they'll notify me mm-hmm. when when they're ready for you to come and get them. And But this was just a way for me to first test out, like because I was so unfamiliar. So most of the titles in the book, I didn't know what the name of it was or who the author was, and so I was completely lost as to what to even to think about loaning or buying for my first mm-hmm. child. And so I just started reading them. We just you know get about 20 to 30 books at a time. And I would start reading them to my daughter and kind of see how did she respond? What, did she have a tendency to, to keep wanting to read some in particular? Or did I see that, oh, I, I really see the qualities of the language and the beauty and the the story of this particular ones, just the ones that she or I most connected to. And then there were some that, that maybe we didn't, but that had been recommended to me or like classic picture books that I thought maybe there, you know, she would love to grow them even if I didn't see something in her at that time that she really loved them, but that right. I kind of keep planting the seeds for that. Right. And then also I didn't have the funds to buy everything I wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe if I would have, yeah. I would have been tempted right. to just like buy everything and then be simple mm-hmm. and then it just be, you know, be right by my bedside table or in my bookshelf. Right. But, um, uh, so, and we still don't have, you know, can't endlessly buy, but, um, so we just kind of slowly and surely add to our home library. So, what, what right. about you, Jamie? What was your exposure to this book? Yeah, I did the same kind of thing that you did. And I used Honey for a Child's Heart as well. And, um, you know, since they're all great recommendations in that book, we just checked out numerous books in the library. And I bought the ones that were just the most beloved, like you said. You know, the ones that he seemed to connect with or that I could see the value in, then those are the ones that I chose to purchase. And I also kept a list for birthdays and Christmas and mm-hmm. things like that for family members. That was always the first thing on my list when they would say, what, yes. what do we get them? You know, I have a list of books. Um, and, you know, just on that list, it was mostly just the well-known classic board books that, you know, like um, Margaret Wise Brown and Eric Carle and things like that, that I knew that 
we would eventually want to collect. Um, and when buying them, I still, in order to get more bang for my buck, I tried to buy things in good used condition. I would, you know, scout used bookstores or mm-hmm. you know, library sales and things like that. I still do that for mm-hmm. all of my book buying. That's the first place I go um, just to, you know, because we do have limited funds and these books are, I mean, we have such an exhaustive list of, of good books that right. we can add to our libraries. So, you know, in order to get more for my money, I, I buy used as much as I can. So, um, so I, you know, got a lot really inexpensively at library sales and things like that. And, you know, this is going to be, it's, She's talking about how for her 18 month old, but this will remain a problem. <laughs> she right. goes forward. Yeah. Because there's always going to be more books that we want to purchase. Yes. And so, how do we know which ones? And so, you know, as they get older, it, it kind of gets harder to know what to add because you're not pre reading them all at the library and, and things like that ahead of time. But, um, you know, I just, I tried to keep the list with me. And as I go to library sales and bookstores mm-hmm. and things like that, I'll just, you know, if, as I come across a book, I'll see if it's in the list. And then if it's a good price, you know, I'll I'll snag it and, and get it. But um, I will say this, though, when it comes to classics, especially children's classics, if I find one at a good price, I will always get it. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, because they can still be enjoyed immensely as an adult. Like, no matter what, there are just some books I don't mind having in my library for the long haul. Um, right. Unlike, unlike board books. You know, board books, you're, you're going to exhaust their usefulness after a certain period of time. Um, but a classic, even a children's classic, um, can be read over and over again and enjoyed as an adult. So I don't mind investing a little more in those kinds of mm-hmm. books. So when trying to discern my book budget, I kind of, that's the direction that I went. Um, yes is investing in those books that I think were going to last for the long, the long haul. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I will say that we ended up buying several board books twice because mm-hmm. of kids trying to eat them or pound yeah. them or whatever they, you know, when they had them in the crib, we used to put them in the crib with our kids so that right. when we they would too. wake up oh and God. they'd, so we've had, yeah, right. I kind of had to do with four kids, I had to do a second round. So right. you can we prepare yourself for that <laughs> if it goes that direction. So absolutely. Yes. 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 <laughs> and then, um, so uh, we also have another question from this mom of her 18-month-old who's who's asking, do you think it matters if I follow a specific book list, or do you recommend just using common sense um, when picking out books for kids? JB, what do you think? I, I think both. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think if you are unsure about your ability to judge whether or not a book is a good book, then it's good to have a book list like Honey for a Child's Heart that we were just talking about, or Read for the Heart by Sarah Clarkson. That's another excellent book list. Um, But I have also found excellent books that weren't on anyone's list. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, once you get used to spotting quality books, you'll discover lots of hidden gems yourself, even without the book list. So, you know, that I, I say have a book list and then also trust your instincts. And sometimes learning to discern quality books, it just takes time and trial and error. So, you know, if you really want to learn how to do that without a book list, I say you make use of the book list to begin with, you know, like immerse yourself in the suggestions in those good quality book lists, read as many of them, ignoring everything else that you can read all of that. And eventually you'll develop a taste for the good stuff. And it's, it's kind of like how they train a bank teller to spot a counterfeit. You know, they teach them to know the look and the texture and the detail of the real money. And so, so much so that when the counterfeit comes through, it, it's, it's obvious. 
And I think the same is true of good quality literature. If you immerse yourself in the really good stuff for a long enough period of time, that you'll know when you encounter something that isn't worth your time and attention, if that makes any sense. Yes, I completely agree. And and, and it does take so long to get through some of these books that, you know, people have told us are great, that you'll have a lot of time to practice kind of taking note (laughs) because I'm still in many of them. But I will say when I go to, you know, Barnes and Noble or something and pick up something, Mm -hmm. there's certain things or themes I'm looking for. If it's a, you know, book with illustrations, I'm kind of looking for certain things in a particular, you know, way of what my kids might be drawn to or what's, what what are beautiful illustrations, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with you that it's it take time for that training and then eventually you'll you'll start to have a sense and yeah, and sometimes it is just your intuition, you know, right. about something. So mm-hmm. yes. yeah, definitely. Okay, we have another question that is um, what is the be- about reading aloud? What is the benefit of reading aloud? And mm-hmm. we could say so much about this, but we'll <laughs> just try to hit on um hit on a few things. Um, a person that I'm familiar with, um, her name is Rebecca Billingham and she has, uh, she's a member of the literacy or she's a literacy specialist actually at the, um, at Columbia university in the teacher's college. And, um, if, if you haven't heard of her, uh, heard of her or she, her TEDx talk, I would highly recommend listening to that. And we'll put a link to that if you want to listen to that, but just to kind of, um, give a few thoughts from her that I've really have really inspired me. I think this will kind of help you as you're processing, you know, should I mostly, ha- you know, have them be reading on their own if they're, if they're able to read or, you know, how much should I be reading a lot? Is this even really worth it? Or is it just my goal just to get them to read and then we're done with this? Right. Um, and so she really emphasizes just what a joyful experience reading aloud can be with a family. And I, I really love that she brought that up because I can testify to that. I think ever since my kids were little, people would say, what, you know, what is the thing that you love most doing with your kids? And I, before I really did it much, there was just something in me that I felt so much joy just reading together and Mm -hmm. seeing the kids' expressions and, you know, hearing my husband read to them. And it just, I felt this connection and bond. And so I think storytelling can really bring that out of all of us. And even if our kids are too young to articulate Mm -hmm. that, I think as we keep reading aloud together that um, they will, they'll, they'll grow to sense that. And I think just whether it's, you know, us as parents or maybe an extended family member, there's just this bond that happens with whoever is reading aloud right. to them. So that, that special person in their life, um, there's such a value to that connection. She also talks about that, um, that books, uh, reading aloud, uh, maybe a particular book that your child or your children may not naturally have a tendency to to move toward or want to read on their own. They, you know, maybe it's a storyline that is stretching to them or vocabulary or ideas that are stretching right. to that mm-hmm. child that by reading it aloud to them that, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of stretched and it's easier for them to comprehend in their listening right. and in their auditory skills rather than if they were trying to trudge through it on their own, they might give up or become frustrated or angry and say, I don't, I don't want to read or I don't like reading or I don't want to do this. But with an audiobook and especially or audiobook or a parent reading aloud or um, a special person reading to them that they, there's a greater likelihood that they'll engage. It might take the struggle out of it mm-hmm. for a struggling right. reader in particular. Um, and then she also mentions how a book 
uh, that just how the book sounds can draw us in. I think as adults or kids, like the expression and the cadence of it, the flow of it. She says, uh, I like how she uses these words. She says, um, by the flow of the story, we can be inhaled by the book. We can sort of oh, be, like be brought in mm-hmm. by it. And and I feel that way too, listening to to great audiobooks with my kids. Right. Um, and it also gives just opportunity for engagement and conversation. And I've noticed mm-hmm. this just, you know, reading a chapter or two together that, you know, they, I think a child as an individual may not bring up specific questions or I may not know to bring them up with them if they're reading it independently. But if we're all reading it together, we can, you know, ask, uh, you know, question, throw a question out and see if anyone wants to respond to it or ask a specific child um, a question. And Jamie, what's been your experience reading aloud well, with your family? Yeah, kind of along the same lines, talking about the family bonding that happens. I mean, reading aloud creates a family vernacular. As you have these shared stories and these common um, experiences, you you have these stories to which you can refer again and again and again. I think um, I think it was Gladys Hunt in Honey for a Child's Heart. I may be mistaken who who referred to that with her family and what it did. Yes, they, they came across right. something. Do you remember? Yeah, how they came across like a, a forest or something that had been burned or destroyed I don't know but they looked at each other and one of them said the orcs have been here you know from from Lord of the Rings you know and it they all understood what that one family member was feeling you know because Mm -hmm. they had that shared experience of reading the Lord of the Rings aloud and so it just gives you this kind of um, intimate family vernacular that that is um, really bonding you know you can refer to things um, that no one else will understand because it's, it's just unique to your family and your experience as a real out. So I think it's a really great bonding experience for your family as well. Definitely. Yeah, we've had that experience too where, you know, the, the trees are, you know, waving and my son's saying, oh, mom, look at the dancing trees like in mm-hmm. Narnia or snow or in the forest. And yeah, I think right. that it is so fun the more that you yes. read together as a family that people will you know, bring up certain characters that and say, Oh, right. remember how Anne always describes this valley like this? Isn't it just like that? And so yeah, right. definitely. My my best friend had um they were reading um I think it was Ramona mm-hmm. and there's a scene where where she's kicking the wall. Um I don't know if you know what I'm part I'm talking to remember, about. But she's mad because she's kicking the wall and um her son got upset about something and he went into his bedroom and he started kicking the wall and she went in there and she was like okay Ramona and <laughs> they were able to have this conversation um because it was it was sparked kind of by that book and and he was able to see where he was where things weren't going right. You know what I mean? She was able right. to talk to him in a language that they didn't have before reading that book aloud together. But right. he was able to see things and they were able to have this this conversation that um, was beneficial for both of them by referring to that book, by calling him Ramona. Um, so just little things like that, I think. Um, it just creates opportunities for you that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Yes, definitely. <clears throat> And then a connected question to this one. Um, we received a question that says, uh, is there research out there on what contributes to kids being readers? So maybe this is a little bit of the other side of it. So I think we wouldn't say, you know, reading aloud is better or child reading on their own is better, but, but they're both, you know, equally valuable and can right. in, in various different ways. So right. um, somebody that I'm familiar with that has done 
quite a bit of research on this. Um, there's a book called Raising Kids Who Read by Daniel Willingham. Uh, have you heard of him, Jamie? I haven't, no. Okay. I have to check this one out. Okay. Yeah, so he's a psychologist, and he I think he may have been a teacher as well, and uh, did some research and some surveys with parents about this. So I found this survey to be really intriguing. But he surveyed several hundred adults and, about their teens, and he asked them – uh, on average, you know, about, I think they, somehow they figured out about how many hours of leisure time the average teen has. And so they figured out about, about five hours a day or so. And, um, then they asked some questions related to how parents, if parents had the choice for how their parent, how their teens would, um, allocate their time, maybe after okay. school or something, um, a high percentage, I don't think he gave the, the number, but a high percentage of them preferred that the activity that they would do was reading and Mm. above anything else. And regardless of the fact if they were readers or not, that they saw the value in this, that uh, that reading was a value for their children. And and if they were given an option to say how much time they wanted their kids to read, it was a little over an hour every day. But what's interesting is in actuality, um, statistics have shown in his research that teens read about six minutes a day. Oh, wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> um, and so a lot of people, you know, in our day and age, as we have an increase of technology and devices, mm-hmm. you know, all around us. So, um, at e- you know, so it's so easy for us to, to, to get them for ourselves and to give, give them to our children that, pe- right. of course, people want to blame technology. You know, it's, oh, it's all these devices and they're just so tempting. And so, you know, technology... Uh, devices take the place of reading for our kids. So that was sort of what the assumption of of a lot of the parents in the survey. But uh, uh, um, Willingham, sorry, Willingham uh, actually in his research saw that really the statistics were the same from like twenty years prior. That kids mm. really were not reading that all that much. Um, you know, twenty years ago. So it right. seems, you know, when we were growing up as kids, it probably, you know, were we reading any more than kids are now? He says no. So he said they're really, we can't really give this direct correlation to blame technology as much as we kind of right. want, it's not want the to. Fault, is what he's yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, so then the question really is: so how? Um, oh, sorry. So. Uh, so, so going back to, say, elementary kids, on mm-hmm. average, they are reading about 36 minutes a day. And this is peaking kind of in or maybe like preschool up to first grade. And then um, the average that they read every day drops a little bit every year after first grade. And oh, so their, wow. their interest is there. Their, the time is there more than other years. So the question, his question is really, wow. wh- how do we keep them reading? If, if that's kind of the typical peak, if that if first graders, which I've seen with my own son just getting out of first grade, he's such an avid he, he loves reading. He's so, you know, I want to know about this animal. I want to, you know, read these nonfiction books on coyotes and bears. And I want to read story. I mean, anything. He's just up right. for, he's really, really eager to, to read and to learn. Um, so yeah, so back to he, his advice or his question is, how do we keep them reading? How do we keep them engaged? And so his advice to parents is that, um, if we want our kids to choose reading, then they actually have to like it more than they like anything else because of all the other options out there, right? And there's besides techno- technological devices, there's all kinds of other things that they can choose. And not that any of those things are bad. It's just that if we really want our kids to be reading, we have to, um, 
have that readily available. So he's so he advises, you know, make it easy for them to choose reading and have books readily available. And we've always tried to do this in our home with not necessarily mm-hmm. through through his lens, but just to kind of make them available you know, when they're bored or to put books in various locations and baskets like around our living room or Mm -hmm. I've had like a little, like a plastic tub in our car that I've put books in or Mm -hmm. in slots. And so, and so he even said it, and as funny as it may seem, just, you know, put them in the bathroom, put them wherever they're staying for a while where they're bored. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, um, and then his, his final kind of thought um, based on his research was, that that we should be limiting them for technology. We shouldn't give them free reign and say, well, we hope you make the best choice, but um, limit their technology, but yet get them, give them space for reading as well. Right. I think it's interesting you said that, you know, regardless of whether or not parents were readers, they saw the value in their children reading. Right. Um, which is interesting, but I think that's one of the, the other things that, that we can do to to inspire a love of reading in our children is to model that for them. Um, if we really want them to be readers, we ought to be readers ourselves. You know, they, let them see us reading as often as as we can possibly do, you know. And, and I also think, you know, creating a print-rich environment in your home. Like, like you said, we have books and we have books in every room, I think. I can't I can't think of a room offhand right now that there, there aren't books <laughs> somewhere, at least one or two books, a basket of books. Um, every bedroom has a bookshelf in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the den, we have a bookshelf. And in the basement, we have all of our yeah. bookshelves. And, yes, you know, I hear you. Books are. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and in the car, like you said. And, you know, not just books, but, you know, we have magazines. I have magazine subscriptions and um, things like that that I, I – have my own magazine subscriptions, but then I've also done some for the boys as well Mm -hmm. so that they get their magazines in the mail Mm -hmm. as well. And so they're excited about, about seeing that, but just filling your home with books and magazines as much as possible so that they will understand the priority of and importance of reading. Um, you know, even reading, I mean, I've heard of people talking about reading, you know, the cereal boxes in the morning, you know, just right. See that that reading is how you get information. Reading is how you gain knowledge. Reading is how you know what it is that you want to know about the world. And mm-hmm. um, but I still think modeling is one of the best things. I know that I am a reader because of my grandmother. Um, mm. I never saw my grandmother without a book in her hand, a book in her chair, even when she was, <laughs> you know, growing old and in the hospital and hospice and things like that. She had books in her bed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so oh, that's wonderful. Then, she really did, and all of the um, all of the women in my on that side of the family are voracious readers. All of my cousins, all of my aunts, and and my sister, we, we all read, and I think it's because of my grandmother's direct influence um, over that. Um, because she modeled that for us so beautifully. And um, so I think that, you know, if you want your children to be readers, then read. <laughs> exactly. Right? That's right. And I, I think I might have shared this in an earlier podcast, but I have a story similar to yours in that um, um, one side of my family, my grandfather was a reader and he's a farmer. And so I just mm-hmm. remember whenever I spent quite a bit of time at his house growing up and 
if he was either out working hard or he'd come in from a hard day working in the fields and sit in his lazy boy and he was always reading. So even though we never talked about it much or he Mm -hmm. never really processed with me or tried to get me to read anything, which, yeah, it just wasn't a conversation at all. But I just think about what the power of me seeing that consistently and constantly. And then my dad was the same way. And so kind of that Mm -hmm. same image I have of my grandfather, Mm -hmm. I have of my dad. And so same kind of thing, though. I, he never was, you know, saying anything to me like, right. oh, Holly, be good that if you, you know, we would sure hope you become a reader or like right. nothing, nothing encouraging vocally, just his, I really attribute the fact that I've loved to read and have, you know, kept going as an adult to his modeling and his example for sure. Right. So yeah, the same thing. She never said, I don't recall ever having a conversation about it. She just did it. And, you know, children, you know, they catch more than what you even can teach them, them. you know, exactly. more is caught than taught, I guess. That's yes. The saying. So, that's right. You know, <laughs> so I think, yep. um, you know, and, and there's just so much, I mean, we're never going to exhaust our reading list. There's so much out there that we can read and we've, you know, even as adults, we've not read it all. And so, um, you know, it's edifying for us as well, not just to model it for our children for their benefit, but for our own benefit too. I think it's mm-hmm. it's important to always be reading. So exactly, uh, yes. just a quick story about that. Just today, um, my we are collecting books to go back to the library because I had like forty holds that I needed to pick up, <laughs> which I, they must think I'm crazy there, or they roll their eyes when I come in or something. But no, anyway, happy happy. right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, I had checked out a book called I think it's called Some Writer. I could be messing that up. I'll get it right for the show notes, but it's a short kind of illustrated uh, biography about E.B. White, the author okay. mm-hmm. of Charlotte's Web. And so I've, I've gotten it a couple times. I actually read it. I, I got it from my oldest daughter from the library. I had it on hold. It took a long time to get it. And uh, she never got to it, but I read it. And so then I checked it out again because I really <laughs> wanted her to read it. And it was due again today. And I, I said to her, oh, oh, Sophia, I really wanted you to, to get to this. And she's like, oh, mom, I, I read it. It's like, oh, oh, you did? She's like, yeah, it was. You, you just left it on the kitchen table, so I just picked mm. it up during lunch and read it. Oh, wow. it's, it's working! There my my my, yes. my my leaving books in <laughs> random places that I forget about. It does. She it just does picked work. it up. So anyway, yes, I was very excited about that. So right. Yeah, so fill your baskets, stack them up on nightstands and tables and kitchen tables and counters and wherever you can find a book. If there's a surface, put a book on there and they'll they'll get to it. They'll pick it up. They'll read it eventually. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, we are going to wrap up for this Q&A podcast. So we thank you all. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. And if you are enjoying this podcast and would like other people to hear about it, we would love for you to go to iTunes and um, give us a star review, write a review for us. We would greatly appreciate that just to get a Storyform podcast out there a bit more and so other people will be able to hear us and listen as well. So thank you so much. We look forward to next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out our website at storyform.com for show notes and like us on our Storyform Facebook page and follow us at Storyformed Home on Instagram. Please rate us on iTunes and leave a comment so that others can find out about us too. May you and your family be Storyformed. Storyformed.